Today's a great day, isn't it? Today is a great day. It's going to be a wonderful day. Jesus, help us. You know the word that you have for us to hear today. They are your words and they are not my words. So speak to us. We glorify your name. We know, Lord, that when you are high and lifted up, you draw all people to yourself today, Jesus. And so we ask, Lord, that you draw us to your heart and speak your words of truth to us. We love you. and We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, we want to welcome you again this morning to First Church. Uh, my name is Andrew, and I am the lead pastor here. We are so grateful for the chance to do life together with you today. You have joined us in the middle of a sermon series that we are calling We Are. We Are. We're exploring the mission and the vision and the values of who God has called us to become. Why are we here, and why do we exist? If you're new with us this morning, our mission statement goes like this. Let's read it together. We exist to live out God's story in our community. We exist to live out God's story in our community. That's who we are, and that's why we're here. So the question is, how do we do it? And what we're doing is we're examining together our eight core values of who God has called us to become. And today, we're so excited, maybe my personal favorite, and I think I say that about everyone, but serious this time, personal favorite, radical generosity. Number five, radical generosity. And I wonder how many of you woke up this morning and you just couldn't wait for a message about radical generosity. I wonder how many of you just, you just got so excited today. Praise God, thank you, two of you, very good. You've got money sitting in your bank you don't have any idea what to do with. And today, Jesus is going to help you to be radically generous. So I uh, need to do a little bit of different uh, congregation participation uh, this morning. Uh, I'm wondering if there's somebody out there who has a $100 bill that you'd love to bless me with. Anybody with a $100 bill? Uh, our college pastor, uh, our, our, uh, our unpaid college pastor has a $100 <laughs> bill. Uh, Carlos, this isn't helping you get a raise, man. All right. You got a $100 bill, okay, in his wallet. And I love you, Carlos, but uh, okay. Yeah, very good. Yeah, and you know Carlos is from Mexico. This is, these are dollars, not pesos, all right? These are, this is the real thing, all right? So, Carlos, thank you, uh, uh, thank you uh, so much. Will you uh, let me, uh, you let me uh, keep this? Praise God. Okay, very good. That's all I need to say about radical generosity, okay? Carlos has exhibited that for us today. Thank you uh, so much, uh, Carlos. Really, uh, really do. Uh, this is why we need more than one service uh, at First Church. Um, <laughs> I'm just saying, maybe four or five. I mean, we could really, to be a wonderful thing. So radical generosity, right? Why should we be radically generous? Well, today, if you look with me at Psalm number 112, beginning in verse 5, the psalmist says this. He says, good will come to those who are what? Those who are generous and lend freely, who conduct their affairs with justice. What does he say to those who will uh, give generously? He says, good will come to those who are generous, right? Simple enough, right? Case closed, except not quite that easy, right? And if you are new with us to this series, what we do each week is we take a little bit of time at the beginning to examine some common excuses for why we can't live out our core value. And today, I think there are three really clear reasons why sometimes we struggle so much with radical generosity. If you're taking notes in your bulletin, the first is this. We say, 
I can't afford it. I, I can't afford it. And this one takes a couple of different forms. Uh, sometimes we say, I, I can't afford it because I don't make enough. I, I just make too little. And, and when we think about just the basic concept of the tithe, of giving up 10%, we think, I'm barely making it on 100 how could I possibly make it on 90? There's no way I simply can't afford it. I don't make enough. There's others of us, and this might sound odd at first, but some of us think to ourselves, I make too much. I make too much, right? And what we mean by that is that maybe we learned to tithe when we were younger. And when we were making 10000 a year or 20000 a year, no big deal, right, to give one or $2,000, but now you're married, and you're professional, and you're moving up in the world, right? And your family's bringing in 60000 or 100000 or 200000 or maybe even more. And you think to yourself, there is no possible way I could do 10% of that, right? The percentage is the same, but it feels like so much more. And we think, I, I can't afford it because I just make too much money. We say, I can't afford it. Secondly, if you're taking notes... We say, I don't see the need. I, I, I don't see the need. Uh, maybe you're the type of person that when there's a, a hurricane or an earthquake or a fire, something happens, somebody's life gets turned upside down, you are first in line to give. Why? Because you see the need, right? And, and so maybe you're the type of person, maybe you're like me, that like you are just whenever any like cute little girl comes to your door and is selling cookies, like, like, you just have to buy some, right? You're like, you got this cute little girl in the, in the Girl Scout outfit, and she's like, would you like some Thin Mint cookies? And you say, uh, sure, I'll take 37 boxes, <laughs> right? I mean, I just take, I just, it's for a good cause, right? You see the need. But when it comes to the church, and when it comes to giving to God through the church, you look around and you say, you know what? Didn't give too much last month, and the lights are still on, doors are still open, Andrew must have got a paid because he's still up there, right? I mean, he wouldn't be preaching if he didn't get paid. So everything must be okay. So I don't see the need. And I want to take just a moment to, uh, uh, to, to give you a little update on where we are as a church. Uh, our leadership team has taken seriously this challenge that we realize that people give when they see and they understand a need. And so what we commit to do from this point forward is to provide you regular updates on the financial position of our church uh, to let you know where things stand and where things are at in our ministry. So I've got some good news today, and I've got some not-so-good news today, right? What should we start with, good news or not-so-good news? Okay, uh, I heard good news, so I think you all said not-so-good, but my notes are in this order, so we're going to do good, we're going to do the good news. So the good news is that every month, based on our budget as a church, we have projected to bring in around $100,000 to $105,000 a month. That's our, that's our monthly income as a church, what we need to operate our expenses. And the last three months have been incredible months of radical generosity because of you. Because of your giving and your sacrificial uh, generosity, God has allowed us to meet or to exceed our goal each of the last three months. And I give God thanks. You give yourself a round of applause for the work that God has done through you. That's really good news. The not so good news is that the previous nine months, quite bluntly, as a church, were pretty difficult on us. 
that is normal for a church that goes through pastoral transition. And, and especially uh, with a church uh, like ours where our, 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 we lost our pastor so suddenly. Uh, sometimes it happens that, that people tend to not give or they're nervous. that They don't know the direction of the church. And over the course of the last nine months, our church has actually accumulated a, a budget deficit of nearly $75,000. $75,000 of where we ought to be compared to where we are at this current year. That's about $9,000 short a month over the course of that uh, time. So even with these three good months that we've had, we're still relatively uh, short. Um, are you ready for some more uh, good news? Should we go, should we go, uh, go back? I told you you like the good uh, news, right? So the, the, the really uh, good news is that because of your generosity, because of the sacrificial gifts of you, and because of the wise stewardship of our leadership team, our church has also been able to cut expenses by nearly $65,000 over that same period of time. We understood that this was going to be a tight season in the life of the church. And so the board sat down and the staff sat down and some of them made personal sacrificial cuts in their own lives. And they said, we want to see our church through this season because we know that God has great things in store for us. And because of the wise stewardship of your leadership team, our church is still well positioned to move forward into the coming year. And I would encourage you to give the board and the staff a round of applause for the work that they've done. So uh, we'll finish with the not uh, so good news. Uh, and if you're good at math, uh, then you realize this, uh, if we're 75,000 short of our budget and we've only uh, been able to cut expenses by about 60, uh, then that means that we're still about 15000 short on the year compared to where we ought to be. It's a whole lot better than 75000 right? Uh, but we're still a little bit short. And that is with a bare-bones budget. Quite bluntly, uh, it's where we are in terms of our budget, not being able to do all the ministry and being able to gauge in our community the way that we should. And so there's truly a need for God to raise up some radically generous people in this church. Amen? Amen. So we say, I don't give because I don't see the need. I can't afford it, and I don't see the need. And then number three, we say, you know what? I'll just give later. I'll just give later. I'm, I'm going to give. I, I promise I'm going to be radically generous, but I'm just going to do it a little bit later. And, and what we think is, if I just had a little bit more, right, so when that perfect day comes, or when that perfect time comes, or when I have a few extra zeros at the end of my bank account, then I'm going to be able to give radically generous. The problem is that that day never actually comes. And the reason is that Ecclesiastes chapter 5 tells it like this. He says, whoever loves money never has, sit with me, never has enough. And whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. The truth is, I, I don't know if this is true for you, but I'm never sitting around finding the perfect moment in which I have too much, and I just love to give it away. We don't get to that point as humans because greed tells us, we talked about this a few months ago, greed tells us that we always just need a little bit more, a little bit more. And we would say, I'll give later, later never comes. Why don't we give? They say, I can't afford it. Uh, 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 I don't see the need, and I'll give later. So this is why it's so important the way that we say our core value as a church. In fact, I'd encourage, if you would, read along with me. This is how we say our value of radical generosity. We say it like this. 
We hold nothing back. Jesus gave his life for me, so I will give until it changes my life for him. We hold nothing back. We hold nothing back. Radical generosity. Jesus gave his life for me, and I will give until it changes my life for him. And what I want you to do is I want you to take a moment to internalize this concept, and I want you to embrace it, because it's not just something that we say. It's not just something that pastors talk about. It's not even just something that we do. It's actually who we are. We are a church that is radically generous. So how do we do it and why should we do it, right? How can I be radically generous and why should I be radically uh, generous? And and I want to look at two really clear principles from Scripture. Uh, Before we do, I want to be clear about this. When we are radically generous, we are radically generous not to a pastor. We're not radically generous to a need. We're not radically generous to a board or to a staff. We're not radically generous even to a church. We are radically generous to a radically generous God. We give because he gave. And it's so important that we think about it this way because sometimes you can, we can look at pastors, right? Or we can look at leadership teams and say, well, you know, they just want to talk about money or they're just interested in money. It, it reminds me of the story I heard a few weeks back about a mom who was absolutely frantic because her little son had swallowed a quarter, right? And uh, my son has not done that yet, thanks be to God. He's done about everything else, but hasn't done that yet, right? And so he swallowed a quarter, and she's just frantic, so she runs into the room, and she calls her husband, and she says, call for help. Get somebody to help us, because little Jimmy just swallowed a quarter. So the husband pulled out his phone and pushed a bunch of numbers and got on the phone, and pretty soon the wife realized that he hadn't called the doctor, but that he'd called the pastor, and she's looking at him absolutely furious. What are you talking to the pastor for? We don't need a pastor. We need a doctor, right? We don't need prayer. We need surgery, right? And she's getting all furious. And finally, the husband says, honey, honey, calm down. It's going to be okay. I know our pastor. And if anybody can get money out of somebody, it's him. <laughs> if anyone can do it, it's him, right? And I, I hope that's not the way that you look at us, Right? I hope that's not your perception because you don't give to me and you don't even give to this. You give to a radically generous God. So how do we do it? Two principles, very simple, but they'll transform our understanding of giving. Number one, if you're taking notes, we say it like this. I will return the tithe first. I will return the tithe first. Say that with me. I will return the tithe first. First, I was so excited. Let's try it again. I will return the tithe first. Very good. Uh, What do you say return? Uh, I thought we give the tithe. Well, I say return because Scripture is really clear that the tithe was never ours to begin with. That the tithe never actually belonged to us to begin with. And so if you look at Leviticus chapter 27, uh, here's what uh, Scripture says. It says, a tithe of, say it with me, a tithe of Everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, it does what? It belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. I love this verse because there's some great words in here. Uh, The first one is the word tithe, uh, and it comes from the Hebrew word ma'aser. You say that with me? Ma'aser. 
And tithe, ma'aser, literally means one-tenth. Literally means 10%. And so sometimes, uh, I've been guilty of this at times, right? Sometimes we think our tithe is whatever happens to be in our wallet on Sunday morning. Or whatever happens to be shoved at the bottom of our purse that day, right? And so the offering plate comes by and we drop our 20 in the plate. We said, well, I tithed my $20. Well, you didn't tithe your $20 unless you only made 200 that week or that month, right? What you did is you actually gave your $20 because ma'aser, the tithe, is actually a 10%. It's actually one-tenth. And scripture says that it is holy. It's the word kadesh. You would say that with me? Kadesh. Kadesh. It literally means set apart. It's set apart. It is reserved for another use. It is reserved for the Lord. It belongs to the Lord. And so uh, let's take, for instance, Carlos, so generous this morning. Uh, Carlos, uh, come back up here. Uh, come on, come on. Give, give Carlos a round of applause. Thank be to God. So Carlos, uh, this morning, uh, gave me a $100 uh, bill. And it was a little bit crazy because I just pocketed it, uh, which was great. Uh, but that's what pastors do. And so um, uh, I just put this in my pocket. And now, what if I would have said to Carlos, Carlos, thank you so much for this $100 uh, bill, um, and I know that you gave it to me for this sermon illustration, uh, but the truth is, um, I'm having a baby, and uh, babies aren't, I'm not having, a, my wife's having a baby, and, uh, and uh, 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 babies aren't cheap, and my wife needs some more maternity clothes, and uh, uh, we got to do this delivery, and we got to go through all this, and it's going to be really hard, so uh, would you just mind if I go ahead and keep this for myself uh, and use it for my own purposes? And Carlos is going to say, uh, <laughs> because he's radically generous. But if you're not as good of a Christian as Carlos, you're going to say, give me my $100 back. I'm never trusting you again, right? Because it wasn't mine to use. It was never mine to begin with. And when I take something that was given to me and entrusted into my care, and then I use it for whatever I want to use it for, it's not the right thing to do. Because it never belonged to me. Now, the good news for Carlos this morning is that Carlos doesn't have 100 bucks. Uh, this is mine. All right? Thanks be to God. But uh, I am going to tithe you for your time, uh, Carlos. So there's 10. Praise be to God. So his wallet isn't empty anymore. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Don't, don't, yeah, don't, yeah. Thanks be to, they say I never did anything for you, Carlos. Very good. The tithe of everything belongs to the Lord. It's Kadesh, Ma'aser, Kadesh. It belongs to the Lord. And my favorite Hebrew word in all of this is the tithe of everything. And the Hebrew word here for everything is everything. Okay? Everything. Say it with me. Everything. The tithe of everything belongs to the Lord. And in that day, they talked about grain and oil and sheep and cattle and today, we talk in terms of, of, of paychecks, right? Or of side jobs, or of commissions, or of Christmas bonuses. What God says is, all of that belongs to me. A tithe of everything belongs to me, and it's given back to me. And you say, well, I can't possibly afford that. There's no way I could afford to do that on everything. I, I, I make too little, or maybe I make too much, right? I can't tithe on everything. It reminds me of a story that I heard recently. A, uh, a guy came up to his pastor, and he said, Pastor, you got to help me uh, because I'm having a serious problem. And the pastor said, okay, let's go to my office to talk about it. And they sat down, and uh, the guy said, I just can't afford to, to tithe. I just, I just don't have it. 
And the pastor said, well, let me help you. Do you need groceries? Do you need help? And, and he said, no, no, no. He said, it's just I'm making too much, I'm making too much money uh, to tithe. And so he said, I really need help. When, when I was only making 20000 my first job, it was fine. But now our family's bringing in $250,000 a year, a quarter of a million, and there is no possible way I can afford to tithe. And the pastor thought for a minute, and he said, you know what? I think, I think we should go to God on this one. And I think we ought to pray. And the rich man said, yes, please pray for God's mercy. And so they uh, got down on their knees and they prayed together. And the the pastor began and he said this. He said, God, uh, this man has a problem and I'd like you to provide a solution. Please reduce this man's income until he can afford to tithe again, right? And they said, no, 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 stop praying. Okay, I'll do it. I'll do it, right? Reduce his income. I can't afford to do it. The tithe of everything belongs to the Lord. In fact, at First Church, we say it like this. We say tithing is not giving God my leftovers. Tithing is giving God my first and my best. Tithing isn't giving God whatever I happen to have left over at the end of the month. Tithing is giving God my first and giving God my best. And I don't know if you've experienced this or not, in times of your life where you are giving God whatever is left, you say, I know how to tithe first. I know how to trust God, but I'm going to wait and see how things work out to the end of this week or the end of this month. What so often happens is that things never add up. They never add up. Uh, uh, the car breaks down. The, the roof leaks. The kids get sick. Medical bills come. You got 15 Girl Scouts coming to your door selling thin mint cookies, right? Because they heard you're an easy target, right? And so they got all these things. And little by little by little, you get to the end of the month and you end up giving God whatever is left. But I don't know if you've also experienced this, that when you take a step of faith and you trust God first, it always adds up. It always adds up. A check in the mail, an unexpected gift. An unexpected side job, something you never expected. God comes through in incredible ways. And we give God the opportunity when we give faithfully of what we have. Tithing is not giving God whatever's left. Tithing is giving God my first and my best. So, number two, if you're taking notes, what do we say first? I will give the tithe first. And then number two, we say, I will give as I have been given. I will give as I have been given. Say that with me. I will give as I have been given. I will give as I have been given. And I I came across this verse this week in my sermon preparation, and I'd never read it before. It was a fascinating verse. And I've I've, I've read the Bible cover to cover, so I was surprised that I'd never seen this one before. But it actually comes from Luke chapter 12 and verse uh, 48. And, And it says this. You can read it with me. It says, to everyone who has been given much, right, much bigger is his bank account. Yeah. And to the one who has been, say it with me, entrusted with much, much better her. Isn't that incredible? Isn't that incredible? Some guy's got scissors over here and he's cutting that out. He's going to post that on his Bible and on his refrigerator, right? To one who's been given much, much bigger is his bank account. Maybe you're new to church and so you're saying, what is the rat translation? Uh, that is the revised Uh, Andrew uh, version, uh, revised Andrew uh, translation, right? Uh, This is what I wish it would say. And so if you're new with us or new to the church thing, that's not real. So here is the real uh, thing. I really uh, let you down. I'm sorry. But here's the real thing. Here's actually how the verse goes. From everyone who has been, say it with me, given much, much will be demanded. And from the one who has been entrusted with much, 
much more will be asked. One who's been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. And so what Jesus does here is he actually debunks the myth of the prosperity gospel. What's the prosperity gospel teach us? It teaches that we give in order that we get. That, that God is going to bless us, that we give generously so that we can get even more. And it defines success in our spiritual life by boats in our driveway and dollars in our bank account, right? That if we put in X number of dollars into the plate, we're going to get Y number of dollars in return. The problem with the prosperity gospel is that God isn't a mutual fund manager. He's not a retirement portfolio investor, right? That's not God's job. What God does is he debunks the prosperity gospel, and in this verse, he says this. He says, I don't give, so I will be given. I give because I have been given. I don't give so that I will be given. I give so that because I have been given. And I want to tell you right now, there are some of you here this morning that I have such deep levels of gratitude in my heart because I have seen your sacrifice. You've taken the first step. And the first one for you was so easy because you said, I've tithed for years. I've been faithful for years. And you've given God back exactly what belongs to him. But today the Holy Spirit might be speaking to your heart. And he may be saying to you, it's time to take the next step. It's time to take the next step. You, 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 you've done, you, you've given back what belongs to me, but now I'm, I'm encouraging you, will you give as you have been given? Will you give sacrificially? Sacrifice, if you're taking notes, is this. It's giving up something that we love for something that we love even more. It's giving up something that we love for something or for someone that we love even more. Uh, Perhaps the best example of this is found in John chapter 3 and verse 16. We all know the verse, right? For God so loved the world that he gave. For God so loved the world that he gave. He gave sacrificially. He, He gave everything that he had. He gave without holding back. Jesus gave his life, the life that he loved, for something for someone, you and me, that he loves even more. For God so loved the world that he gave. I had a conversation with, with a, a member, a, a family here in our congregation recently. And they uh, said to me, I said, you know, a few years back, God really began to challenge us about radical generosity. Uh, they said, you know, it used to be that we would tithe and we tithe faithfully for years. But then God got a hold of our hearts and he said, he said could you do a little bit more? Could you do a little bit more? And so they looked at their bank and they didn't have much there, but they said, okay, God, what we'll do is we'll just do 1% more. And so the next year they did 11. And then the next year they did 12. And then the next year they did 13 and on up to 15, 16, on up to 20% of their income. And I said, I said, oh, I bet it was great. I bet you didn't even miss it. I bet God just blessed you in incredible ways. And they said, who are you kidding? They said, we missed it incredibly. He said, we, didn't, we thought every time we put something to the plate, we thought to ourselves, you know, we could be saving a little more for retirement. We could be putting a little bit more in the bank. We could be saving up for the kids' college. We could have a nicer car. We could have a nicer house. We missed it incredibly. But they said, here's why we did it. And don't miss this. They said, because it forced us to trust our God more than we trust our money. It forced us to trust 
who we know rather than what we have. It profoundly impacted me. Remind me of the words of, of Mother Teresa who said it like this. She said, if you're only giving what you don't need, you're not really giving. If you're only giving what you don't need. If you're only giving the leftovers, then you're not really giving. But God so loved the world that he gave it all for you and for me. So this is the kind of God that we serve. It's the kind of God who, hold, who held nothing back from us. Jesus gave his life for you and for me. So I will give until it changes my life for him. In just a moment, the choir is going to sing for us a song called I'm Available uh, to You. And a message like this today, I think, does require um, a physical, concrete response. All of these values are essential. They're all absolutely valuable to getting where we need to go as a church to live out God's story. But this one truly does require a physical, concrete, stake-in-the-ground type of moment of response from you and from me. So as the choir prepares to sing, I'm just going to ask you um, a couple of questions. Uh, and the first one is this. Uh, maybe Jesus is speaking to your heart today, and, and he's saying, you know what? It's time for you to take the next step. It's time for you to take the next step. And maybe for you, the next step is your first step. Maybe for you, you've, you've been sitting on the sidelines and you weren't even sure what this whole tithing thing was about or you're new to the church or you've been around but you just didn't ever think it was for you. But today, Jesus has actually spoken to your heart and he said, you know what? It all belongs to me. It all belongs to me. Not just the 10%, but all of it. And I've entrusted you with it. And today, maybe your first step is to say, I will return the tithe first. Maybe you're here today, and God's speaking to you. You've tithed faithfully for years. Maybe you've even gone above and beyond. But Jesus, again, the Holy Spirit, you can't get away from him. And he's speaking to your heart again, and he's saying, you know what? You can take another step. You can take another step. Today's the day for you to give as you have been given. You serve a God who gave his life for you. Will you give today till it changes your life for him? And so here's what I want you to do. Um, it requires a physical, concrete response. And I don't want you to do it because you think it's the right thing to do. I don't want you to do it because the people around you are doing it. But I want you to respond if the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart. And today, if the Holy Spirit is speaking to you and you say, you know what? That's me. I'm holding nothing back. I'm taking the next step. I'm going to be faithful with everything that I have. I'll give until it changes my life for him. Whatever that next step is for me, God, I'm in. I'm holding nothing back. And if that's your prayer today, what I'm going to invite you to do is take a stand to your feet. Take a stand to your feet right now. That you would stand up and say, I'm holding nothing back from God. Don't do it just because you think other people are doing it. Do it because God has spoken to your heart. It's a commitment between you and God and the community. I'm holding nothing back. Holding nothing back from you. I'm taking the next step. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. I'm holding nothing back. Jesus is speaking to our hearts today. I want you to stay standing. So I have another question. This is a really important one too. There's some of you here today, the Holy Spirit speaking to your hearts. You walked into church today, you had no idea what was going on. You didn't even know what church was. You just found yourself here today by the grace of God. 
or maybe you've been here for years, but today God has gotten a hold of your spirit, and he said to you this, I gave my life for you. I gave it all for you. See, what scripture tells us is that all of us have sinned, and all of us have fallen short of the glory of God, and because of that, we all deserve to die, but we don't have to, because Jesus gave it all for us. You say, well, why would he do that? Why would the one who knows no sin become sin for you and me? That doesn't make any sense. It's the definition of sacrifice. He gave up something that he loved for someone that he loved even more. And today the Holy Spirit's speaking to your heart and he's saying to you, listen, that's for you. I gave my life for you. I gave my blood for you. I hung on a cross for you. I rose again for you. So it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter how far you've run. It doesn't matter how bad it got because I love you. I forgive you. I want a relationship with you. Don't worry about the money right now. I just want your heart. I want to know you. I want you in my family. There's someone here today, the Holy Spirit speaking to you and saying, that's for me. Either for the first time you're going to start out or for the next time you're going to start over with Jesus. And you're going to say from this day forward, I'm never turning back. I want Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I know I've done some stuff in the past, but from this moment forward, the blood of Christ covers my sins. I'm never looking back, and from this day, I'll never be the same because Jesus gave his life for me. If that's you today, and you say, I need Jesus, I need Savior, I need healing, I need hope. If that's your prayer today, I'm gonna encourage you to stand to your feet right now as well. From this day forward, stand to your feet. Praise be to God, sister. Who else? Praise God. Praise God, brothers. Who else? Praise God, sister. From this day forward. From this day forward, I'm never turning back. Thanks be to God, brothers. Thanks be to God. Who else? Take your stand right now. Take your stand right now. I'm never turning back. I'm never turning back. In Jesus' name, thanks be to God. First Church, if you've been with us for a long time, you know that what we do is we pray together. We have so many here today who have taken their stand. They've said, I'm never turning back. I'm taking the next step with radical generosity. I'm giving God my heart. I'm giving God my life. I'm giving God my soul. And would you join together in prayer with me? Heavenly Father, I love you. Thank you for dying. Thank you for rising. Thank you for forgiving. Jesus, you died so I could be forgiven. You rose so I could be set free. I'm pursuing your heart. I'm holding nothing back. Today I give you my life. Today I give you my possessions. Today I give you my all because you gave all for me from this day forward. I'm never turning back. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Can we thank God for the work that he's done in First Church today? Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. The choir's going to sing a song, I'm Available to You. If you stood today for either the first or the second call and God spoke to your heart, I want you to internalize it. I want you to embrace it. Because what they're singing is the commitment that you're making to never turn back the powerful and precious name of Jesus.